When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Friday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We're previewing literally the worst weekend of Big Ten football ever. And we're going to talk about that. It's awful. I, I, I almost like the math doesn't even make sense about how awful it is. How can it, so many teams in this league be irrelevant? I, I know there's a pandemic, but that's not, that's not all that's happening here. So Stephen, Nathan, and I will talk about that. We'll give you our three Big Ten picks. Of course, there was no Ohio State-Michigan game. We'll talk about a few other things. We appreciate everybody who makes Buckeye Talk part of your week. It's just been an odd week. Man, it has been a weird week. Man, it has been a weird week. I am looking forward to the Big Ten championship game between Ohio State and Northwestern and hopefully getting back to normal next week. And, of course, I mean, you know, there's other games. Nathan, There, you know, Oklahoma's not playing this week. West, was it Oklahoma, West Virginia, and then Texas, Kansas? Were those the games? Or Texas, kid? Like, there's multiple Big 12 games canceled, multiple Big 10 games canceled. We don't know what the future holds, but is it okay if we're optimistic for championship week still at this point, next week when we have these conference championship games? I mean, go ahead. But, again, transitive theory, Ohio State just beat the team that beat Northwestern by 40 points. Um, I'm not that optimistic that that championship day is going to be all that satisfying in, in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's going to be a, uh, the, only, the only good thing about it from my perspective is it's at noon instead of eight o'clock. <laughs> Nathan Baird, turd at a pandemic punch bowl. <laughs> hey, Ohio State's going to play for the second time in a month and a half. Yeah, but it's going to be awful. But at least I, was, I get to go early. I was in a band in college called Pandemic Punch Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's our bass player turd he's in the pandemic punch bowl so listen i mean we'll have plenty of time and we're going to talk about i would just like to talk about football again we're talking about football next week here's the thing though when we do even think about a big 10 championship game i mean when is the when is the like the big 10 champ ever like on high the the west champ ever on ohio state's level i guess the year that like wisconsin was undefeated number four going into the big 10 championship game yes they were but you know, I mean, if we're waiting for like a scintillating equal matchup in the Big Ten championship game, like, well, we might be waiting forever. For Wisconsin that. led so, them at halftime last year, too. Let's not forget. With a with a hurt quarterback. I'm just but saying. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You're besmirching. I, really, we uh, I'm fascinated by how this Wisconsin season unfolded. Wisconsin's playing Iowa this week in what is like the best game on the schedule, and it's a awful game because this conference is awful this conference is awful so I don't want to start with that I, I don't want to start with that I want to start with something that perhaps may keep people interested for more than five minutes before we talk about 
whether Penn State, Michigan State, or Rutgers, Maryland, or Nebraska, Minnesota is a worse game. Can every team in a conference, is it possible for every team to be two and four? How is it mathematically possible that every Big Ten team is two and four? There are only four teams with winning records out of 14. How is it possible? I'm terrible at math, but I don't even know how it could happen. Let's talk about Dabo. So listen, Dabo is a dingbat, right? Steven, you just posted a story on cleveland.com. The quotes are out there. Dabo is saying things. So here's the thing. All college coaches do is say self-serving stuff to try to influence. I mean, it's just like they're working the public to work the committee, just like they work the refs during a game. So, like, I don't even know if he means it or not. And, of course, you know why he's saying it. It's self-serving. He's trying to set up Clemson to get in the playoff, even if it loses to Notre Dame. So it's all self-serving, but it still is making Ohio State fans angry. Steven, what are we talking about? Yeah, he basically came out and said that Ohio State um, – this is not word for word what he said. If you want to go watch the video, it's in the post. I'll just put the entire post they don't want video to watch in the there. Video. They don't want to watch – nobody wants to watch this guy talk. <laughs> Here, I'll read part of what he said then. Obviously, uh, that's a tough question to answer in my position because we feel like we're definitely one of the four best teams in the country and there's nothing that's going to happen in that game next week for Clemson and Notre Dame that's going to change that, in my opinion. And that's based on data. It's almost like you've got to have 120 hours to get a business degree, and yet these people over here only needed 60 hours to get a business degree. These people. So that's what he's saying. He's basically making the point that Ohio State at 6-0, and just almost no matter what they do, hasn't, had, hasn't played enough games. Um, well, I wouldn't well, I have thought, an it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, say, go ahead and finish what you're reading. I wouldn't have an issue with it because, again, it's not my position to have an issue with it. My position is just coach the team. I just think there has to be some type of standard. I just think it would be, if I was on the committee, it would be hard for me to leave out a 10-1 Texas A&M or an 11-game Florida team over a team that's played six games. That would be hard for me if I was on the committee, but I'm not on the committee, so it doesn't really matter. Um, it doesn't mean they're not a great team and they couldn't win the whole thing. I just think that it has to be – I just think from a big picture, picture standpoint, I would lean toward rewarding the teams that have been all in because it's been an incredible challenge. And he basically put it on the Big Ten of like – he said, it's incredible, and I think the Big Ten had the same opportunity, and they chose not to play. And I think the only reason they ended up playing is because of the leadership of the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and have demonstrated that we can do it and do it in a safe way. So it's been an unbelievably challenging season, that's for sure, but I think that the committee is going to have some tough, tough, tough questions to answer and things like that regardless of what they do. So, Nathan, go ahead. Well, see, that last part, I actually kind of – that's an interesting point. Um, frankly, and I brought it up the other night, right? That what is if at some point, if push comes to shove, is the playoff committee going to say, "Hey, sorry, Ohio State, but like it, it's not our fault, it's not your fault, but this is what the Big Ten picked, and that's the season." So that isn't actually what I was going to bring up, though, because there's another part in what he says. Dabo said some really stupid things here in the last few months. Um, Blame Florida State for canceling the game, basically saying they did it out of fear and used COVID as the excuse to not play the game. That was one of them, yes. So, But later on in what he's talking about, he brings up the example. The reason why he doesn't think Ohio State should maybe get in is because he brings up the example of the time that Clemson made the playoff after losing to like a three or four win Syracuse team in the regular season and still made the playoff. So basically what he's saying is that Clemson team was obviously so good enough that even a loss to a bad team meant that it should go to the playoff. But now he's saying that if Ohio State 
is obviously good enough, but because it hasn't played that game that it hasn't lost to a bad team that it should go, it shouldn't go to the playoff. It's it, like many, many, many people this week, his logic is not really sound in any way. So Steven, do you, how, how angry Steven, Steven, you went through it. How angry do you think Ohio state fans are about what Dabo said? Oh, probably hot as, as can be hot red as can be. And so are the players. I guarantee you the players have heard this. I guarantee you Ryan Day has heard this. And just like that scoreboard is up in the weight room of that 29 to 23 game, he probably sent it to their players or they, he probably made them watch it. And it's just another added reason in this growing list of reasons for why Ohio state fans do not like Clemson. He is at the centerpiece of that. But he's obviously preemptively arguing on behalf of his team. Oh, it's and, fine. You can, and, you can argue for your team. You can put, put up your own people without putting down somebody else. Uh, but it's hard to. It's hard to make your case without – Now, I mean, if he just said, you know, there are some teams out there that have only played six games, would that be better? Like if he didn't say Ohio State's name? You know, I mean, we know who he's talking about. So you have to make your case. So I think we have to understand that coaches are self-serving. I mean, uh, humans are self-serving. So I think we have to understand that. But I think it's the fact that he's a weasel, right? I mean, it's like, it's, it's that he has established himself as a little weasel. So the little weasel is making self-serving comments that are understandable that, uh, that anybody would make those self-serving comments. But he's a weasel. I mean, he really, really is a weasel. I mean, he's a that's, weasel. He's that's not, a really good way to put that. He's not, I don't think he's like, evil i don't i don't think he's terrible i don't think he's all that much different than a lot of coaches who are self-serving uh, mostly at every step whether it's saying that their team should get something or whether saying that players shouldn't get paid or whether saying that you know so but he's just a weasel so and i i have a fantasy football team that i've had for 25 years whose name is the weasels so i like weasels i'm pro weasel did I like being like, eh, eh, what do you think of this? Like a little, like a weasel. Like, you know, everyone knows what a weasel is. So I have respect for weasels. So I'm just saying, he's a weasel. He's a weasel. Dabo's a weasel. So it's like, oh, it's kind of to me, it's kind of like, eh, that weasel's doing weasel things. It's like, oh, oh, did the weasel say that his team should get in no matter what? Oh, oh, did the weasel say that six games isn't enough. Would the weasel, if Clemson had played six games, would the weasel be saying, we've won every game, we've proved it on the field. I don't think we should be held back because our conference made a decision that we fought to play and that it hasn't been our fault we haven't played these games. The idea that we would be punished for things that have out of our control when all we've done is go on the field and prove it every time we've been given that chance. Of course the weasel would say that if it was reversed. Right? I mean, he's just – count him. Go ahead. Go ahead and rewind. So, so, I said weasel. He's just a weasel. He's just the weaseliest little weasel that ever weaseled. So maybe, the, maybe not mad. Maybe it's just more annoyed. And it's at this point, I can't wait till we get back on the field with these guys and shut them up because I'm tired of every other weekend hearing him say something. How about, you know – I also thought the part in there where he said, even if they lose to Notre Dame, he basically insinuates, even if they lose to Notre Dame again, they should go. They should be one of the four teams that goes. This doesn't make any sense. 
Makes sense in Weasel Land. <laughs> but listen. it reminds me of like it, it's like when you have like a group of friends. Back when we could like actually have friends and like congregate with people, like your greater group of friends, there would always be that one guy who was like friends of people that you trusted and like respected, but you don't trust that guy. Like there's something about that guy. That's Dabo Swinney to me. You didn't you didn't invite him to the party, but for some reason he just keeps coming. And you're always like, why are you always here in the kitchen? In my refrigerator. <laughs> now I have an image of Dabo Sweeney in, Nate, in Steven's refrigerator eating his vegan food. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever seen Friday? complaining about what's in there. Yeah, yes. yeah. Have you, okay, you've seen Friday. So the first scene where it's, why is it every time I'm in here, you're in here. <laughs> Drinking up all the ki- Kool-Aid, eating up all the ki- chicken. That is Dabo Sweeney. He's Craig at the beginning of the movie. Get out. Go do something else. <laughs> With your life. Now I just... Debo, by the way. Now I... Yeah. R.I.P. to Debo. Yeah. Dabo, Debo. Uh, I just want to... Now I all I want... Now I all I want us to do is like do like a Friday remake with, with someone doing a Dabo Sweeney impersonation in it. I would like, Stephen, for you to get on a Clemson Zoom and, and ask Dabo that question. Say, Dabo, we know you're kind of a weasel. Have you seen Friday? <laughs> And that's, there we go. Don't you think that's you? No, but let me ask you this, and this is why part of being a weasel is the point you're making, but part of it is the presentation. And so the fact that he has established himself as a weasel doesn't do Dabo any favors here. If Ohio State was 10 and 1 and had lost to Indiana in a game when Justin Fields was out for COVID, right? And was now like facing the idea of man, like we've won all our other games, we've played. Do you think Ryan Day would be saying the same things that Dabo is saying? Do you think this is exclusive to the Dabo Sweeney line of thinking, or is it that time of the year when coaches make the case for their team in whatever circumstance their their team happens to be in? That if you flipped Clemson and Ohio State situations, Dabo would be saying a 6-0 and team should get in, and Ryan Day would be saying we've played twice as many games, we should get in, but perhaps Ryan Day is just a little less weaselly in the presentation. Nathan, do you, don't you think they'd make the same cases, or do you think they wouldn't? Ryan Day is definitely hyperpartisan in favor of his program, as as many coaches are. And, and I, but I think he is also hyper diplomatic. So I think he would do it without calling out the other team. I don't. You don't see very many instances of him, um, even when there's evidence of him potentially having done it behind the scenes. He doesn't publicly. He doesn't really even call out his own team. So he, he definitely doesn't call out other teams. I think he would just be. He would go up there and say. The old, you know, I, I, I don't know about anybody else. I just know that this is what we've done and this is why we deserve to go. Yeah, I don't think his would be a viral moment on Twitter. I think it would just be something that we all would write about, but it wouldn't be this, like, with that, every time Dabo does it, it becomes the thing first take is talking about and everybody's talking about. I don't know if it would be the same way. We'd have to dissect it a little bit more. One of the things I would say that is kind of a, a, a trait of this – young Ryan Day is I feel like pretty early on he figured out how to be um, passionate yet boring in the right way passionate within his walls and boring for us yeah also Um, I'll be curious what Ryan Day is like when he's got a couple rings on his finger as there is some there's a little extra swagger yeah Yeah, that's that's true true. yeah I mean like we can call Dabo a weasel and Dabo can say like you like this you like a weasel 
Yeah, it's a weasel. It's a weasel with some jewelry, you know. So, so I don't know. I just like like I get why Ohio State fans are mad, but there is there is no part of this. Listen, when he goes off and is being like, I make eight million dollars a year. If players want to get paid like they're crazy or they're selfish or something, that is just being that is beyond weaselhood. That is being you know whatever. That's hypocritical. This is just this is just preemptively making the argument for your team because listen all of this is perception there's no right or wrong here and is if if two people out of the 13 on the committee get wind of his comment and it sparks a five percent discussion in their own mind before they even have the meeting then he's done his job then he's 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 sparked a discussion so I get also he doesn't care also at this point by the way with with as much as he won he doesn't he doesn't care he doesn't care that he's a weasel so I think he leans into being a weasel and also it's good to have weasels no offense to Ryan Day I wouldn't want 130 coaches who are pragmatic and like inoffensive in their public comments god bless weasels right Nathan come on we don't want all we got to have some weasels to make the world go round well, that opens the door for us to be the weasels, I suppose. We don't. We, we don't want people taking our 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 weasel space. No, that's true. But nobody care. I mean, nobody cares what we think, except the loyal listeners of Buckeye Talk who are hearing us right now. I hope you care. But here, but but, I mean, it's but, not. Someone's got to create the first take segments, right? I mean, honestly, and not to be. We're not talking about it because we're trying to get ratings for Buckeye Talk. We're talking about it because it, direct, it re- directly relates to Ohio State fans. We think they'd be interested in it, and we have an opinion on it. But I don't want to live in a world where everybody is afraid to say what they think because they'll have blowback because it, then we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Well, but I also think that like once, once a level of weaseldom has been reached, like how much of a weasel now would Ryan Day have to be to make a weasel impact? He'd have to surpass what Dabo's done. And I, then now you start talking about – now it gets really interesting. Like, who's, who's one-upping each other on the weasel scale? Now, now you're getting some pretty outrageous things to be said. Uh, but, I mean, and he's not going to say it. If Ryan Day, the next time we talk to him, said – say he gets asked about this. And if Ryan Day said, you know what? I respect Dabo Sweeney. He's a great coach. They've won a lot of things there. He should keep my program's name out of his mouth. If he said that, whoop, we're off. But that's not running. being a weasel. That's no, not being a weasel. But, but, but he's not going to say that. That's no, being, probably not. What's the thing that eats a weasel? <laughs> what is, I don't know what the food chain is. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know, like a lion? Can a Buckeye Talk uh, tech subscriber, can you guys look up what would eat a weasel? So then Ryan, because also probably got a zoologist out there that yeah. follows the texts. Because sometimes you want the, maybe you have weasels fight. I would watch a weasel fight. I'm not condoning weasel fighting if for people who raise weasels and then teach them to fight that's, each other that's what he does in the, the the smelly farts basement the other six days of the week he's staging weasel fights down there that's what i'm doing with my guinea pigs listen do you guys want to know what my guinea pigs do right now it's perverted it's awful turn off cover the kids ears the girl guinea pig so they have two separate they have it's one big guinea pig container but there's a a wall in between but the wall is i mean it's just like a, it's like a fence like but you can see three it's like it's like mesh it's like hard whatever they can see each other but they can't get to each other but they're right next to each other and they can stick parts of their anatomy through it so the girl guinea pig now puts her paws up 
and st sort of stands on her haunches and puts her butt toward the divider. And then the boy guinea pig goes over and nibbles on her butt. And it's like a thing they do. It's not a one-time thing. We caught them doing it like three times in a 24-hour period. And they can't get to each other to do what they want to actually do. But one of them presents a butt and the other one nibbles it. And they enjoy it. And that's where we are. So maybe I should raise weasels to fight each other because the guinea pig thing is not going very well. As a reminder, you simply need to send the message stop on the text messages to unsubscribe. <laughs> to be Before fair, you all I, ask us. Yeah. I don't think I've actually ever texted about my guinea pigs perversions. I only talk about it on the podcast. So I don't know. I, I'll be curious. I mean, Ohio State fans are going to get mad, but like, boy, oh boy. Uh, Steve, to the, your point, Stephen. Holy schmoly. Let's get it going on the field again. They who's need this got, to happen. Who's got their fingers crossed for Ohio State and Clemson to play again, one way or another, in the semifinal or in the title game? Are you everybody. here for it? I'm oh, here yeah. for it. Yeah, everybody. I don't. There's, there's nobody who doesn't want that to happen. Whether you're a fan or you play for Ohio State, you want that. As a matter of fact, some of these parents admitted it to us when we wrote stories. Uh, no regrets. Yeah, they want it. And 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 to be fair, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say things out of turn, but. You know, Woody Hayes wouldn't get gas in Michigan. Ohio State won't say the name of Michigan's pro. Like, like, some of this stuff is good. And there's a way that you can do it without being completely weaselly. So he's a weasel. It's fine. I'm not even sure he would take that as an insult. I'm, Dabo, you're a weasel. Do you take that as an insult or a badge of honor? So he said it. People are wound up. I think it's interesting. But do we, do we agree? Do you think he's making, Nathan, is he making a legitimate case or is he just saying whatever he would say for his team, whatever side of the equation they were on? Would he be, do you concur that if they were in Ohio State's position, he would be making the opposite case just as passionately? Oh, I think so. Yes, 100%, wouldn't he? I mean, and I, that's what I also don't kind of understand what, what he gains out of this. I don't know that it really influences the committee. Maybe that's what he's going for. Cause I, I also think that if you put a gun to his head or, or whatever, and asked him, who do, would you rather play Ohio state or Texas A&M? But now he's advocating for Texas A&M to get in the, in the playoff um, or even Florida, maybe, um, you know, who would you rather play? I, I, I you know, so I, this, what are you all saying? This what are you, what, that wait, he would wait, rather you... play either of those teams in Ohio state. So that's the other factor here. That right. he, I think he's, right. he's advocating for teams that he thinks he has a better chance to beat to get into the playoff. Well, that's a good point. That's a good, that's a good point. That it's also, it's, 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 it makes their path easier. Yeah. yeah. Keep the better Iowa team State. out. Bring on Iowa State. They've played nine games. Why shouldn't they get in over Ohio State? Wisconsin. No, not you know, Wisconsin. That coastal, Carol, that, that coastal Carolina win over BYU really impressed me, Dabo Sweeney said. It's time we give consideration. They're they're 10-0 now. Why, yeah, why shouldn't they get in over Ohio State so we can beat them 400-6? to six? Dabo. All right, let's talk about this. We have a couple other uh, things we want to talk about before we get to our picks. So we're, we're recording this Friday afternoon. From the 217, I think Ohio State should have a scrimmage this Saturday, number one offense against number one defense, be the best practice the defense could have. Put it on YouTube, and I would watch it. You guys can use your higher powers and make it happen. Smiley face. So – Nathan, you point out they're, they're kind of doing this, right? That's the plan? Well, the, unclear. I mean, Ryan Day said yesterday on his radio show that they're doing something called a mock game. And we didn't have the usual uh, lightning round, as we call it, with Ryan Day after the radio show. So we didn't get to follow up and find out more details of exactly what that is. But I assume it's some kind of an inter-squad scrimmage, maybe similar to what they were doing in the preseason 
um, a, a few times heading into the season, uh, you know, getting like, you know, good against good or how, however they say it. Um, I think probably just to simulate better simulate game activities, they talk about every practice rep being a game rep or whatever it is he's been saying, but unless you're actually putting competition on the line, I, I that it's going to be hard to replicate. So I imagine that's a little bit what they're doing. Cause that's one thing that is missing. You can make all the case that you want for Ohio state to get in the playoff and you can make the case that less wear and tear or whatever. But I do think there is something that they, uh, there are positions and situations where they could use more real game situation, real game um, experience to, to refine themselves here a little bit. So we will talk to Ryan Day at, at some point, and I will be very curious to hear what the outcome or how exactly they went about this. I think I might do the whole thing. I'm not so sure, and I don't know all the specifics of what they are and aren't allowed to do. I'm not so sure I wouldn't have them dress. I'm not so sure I wouldn't do the senior day festivities. My understanding was that there were going to be families allowed at senior day. Mm-hmm. that to have that i'm not so sure i wouldn't go through all of that let those guys run out in their uniforms through a, a player tunnel meet with their families at the end have red the scarlet team and the and the white team stand on opposite sidelines play a football game i think you could play a full football game with the caveat of nobody hit justin fields and everything else just kind of play now that, that's not light people up Right. Let's let's not have borderline targeting calls on Garrett Wilson over the middle, but let's play some football because get those competitive juices flowing, work out some stuff you need to work out. Maybe maybe like 80 percent, you know, but like and do all the trappings of a game. I'm not so sure that wouldn't be a decent idea. Stephen, what do you think? How far should they go with trying to simulate something in a world where they just have not played a lot of football lately? I think you can do something similar to what you would have done in the spring spring game anyway. I think it's with all the added stuff that comes with a normal football game. But, yeah, just have a mini spring game. And the, so a, a winter game where there are fans. You can just let the families in to watch. And you just run it like a spring game where it's uh, maybe it's thud tackling for the sake of wear and tear on people's bodies. And, yes, don't touch your quarterback. But other than that, yeah. And maybe at, some, maybe at some point after Justin has gotten a good amount of reps as a second-year starter – Maybe you turn it into a competition for Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud. You both – you pick some teams, you split up the ones and the twos, and you put them on different sides and do what we did on the video game and just let those two go at it. When because they're say- not going to play again. Those two are not seeing the field again. So this could be their opportunity to get some real live game action, even if it is just against their own team. I mean, this is the best talent that they were going to face anyway in the Big Ten. So why not do that? Nathan, when did Ryan Day said this was going to happen? Friday or Saturday? Today. Friday, yes. All right, should we go spy on it? Should we get down there and see what we spy on it? I don't know if it's outdoors. I assume it will be. It's pretty nice right now. So um, they have not been outdoors they, every day for the last couple of weeks. They have been doing the practices. I, I would I do, do it in the stadium. stadium. I would, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to. We're just theorizing. But I would go do it in the stadium. But they very well might do it indoor at the Woody or outdoor at the Woody for sure. But uh, I don't know. I do it. I mean, I, I try to get some juices flowing. I would. I'd try to get some juices flowing. The, the competitive juices, more than anything else, I think that would matter. So what I want to talk about, though, is what we think a scrimmage would look like. More like an 80% game. What would some of the matchups be like? First team offense, first team defense. Who would win some of these matchups? That's what we'll do next on Buckeye Talk.
Doug LaMaurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, back on Buckeye Talk. If you want to be a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315. Gets the news and analysis as it happens right in your phone. Get to ask questions on the podcast. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. He's got another message from one of our loyal uh, subscribers. I don't want to give it away because I don't want to give away the surprise who wants to get wants to get a subscription for a friend. So they're asking, you don't, you don't actually, you have to put your, you have to put it in the phone number because what we do is we text the information to your cell phone number. So the way to sign up is you put in the cell phone number and then you start getting, you know, the deal. But, um, you know, it doesn't, it, it should work. It should work for everybody to get to do what they want to do. So um, here's the plan. How would this go if the Buckeyes did play a real game against each other? I just want to go through it a little bit, sort of run, run, run game and, and pass game. So I want to talk about, let's talk about the run game first, because I do think there are some interesting matchups on the offensive line and the defensive line and some interesting matchups of these linebackers trying to chase down Master Teague. Nathan, we'll start with you in the run game, just the breakdown. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious about Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett versus this interior offensive line. I'm very curious about like Tough Borland trying to meet Master Teague in a hole. I'm curious about Pete Werner and Baron Browning, you know, at outside linebacker chasing these running backs down, trying to contain Justin Fields as a running quarterback. I feel like Pete Werner and Baron Browning are maybe the kind of kind of linebackers who can get after it a little bit that are the kind of guys that you'd want chasing Justin Fields when he does run. What do you think the the run game aspect would be like first team offense, first team defense? I mean, I think this run um, offense would not achieve quite at the level it has been. And I think this run defense would, would be a little bit more pliable than it has been. <laughs> That's a terrible answer. I, I think that I, I, I like this defense's chances, though, of shutting the run down enough or, or stifling the run enough to force Justin Fields to put the ball in the air, um, which obviously is fine for Ohio State, but that's where – that's that's where it's supposed to work in a lot of these other matchups. That's what they're supposed to try to get other teams to do, I think, is to, is to force their quarterback to, to win the game for them. And that's, again, ultimately been the story of the season, I think, is like where then then is the back end of your defense going to step up and, and handle its end of that bargain. Steven, how do you think that would work out? Who has the edge there in the run game, offense or defense? I think the defense has the edge because I think that the offensive line would be okay. Um, I mean, Harry Miller, I think would have to you know show some major improvement, but I think for the most part, they'd be okay. I think the problem would be, you know, Trey Sermon and Master T getting through some of these holes with the way that Pete Warner, Tuff Borland, Baron Browning have been tackling. So they might just get met in the hole every single time. And it might be a one yard gain or two yard gain or a three yard loss or something like that because of these linebackers ability to get to the ball versus two running backs who either don't have any wiggle whatsoever or don't know how to find a hole if somebody put a light, a shining bright light on it and said, come right here. We've talked a lot about like exactly what kind of seasons Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis are having. Going against Haskell Garrett and Tommy Tokyo would really give us some kind of indication about what kind of seasons they're having, right? I mean, I, I would love, because we know how, how dominant Togi and Garrett have been, and you watch Togi and Garrett, and they just get a push every single play. They push the interior of the offensive line backwards. And would that happen against Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis and Harry Miller? I would love to see that. I think that might be the thing I'd be, I'd be most eager to see because there is some talent there on both sides. The defensive tackles are probably the biggest surprise of this season, and Myers and Davis are really good, but they're a little bit of sort of the exactly what's up with that part of the season. I also – I know this is like a thing of 
that we say, and it's easier said than done. I would, on third down or certain situations for sure, I would use Browning and Werner as spies on fields. That I would not mm-hmm. let Justin Fields scrambling be the thing that would kill this Ohio State defense. As much as we have questions about their pass defense, I would almost make them throw it. That you can't just play man and turn your back or be so concerned with, hey, we got to cover Jeremy Ruckert that all of a sudden Justin Fields has taken off on going crazy. And I think Browning and Warner are exactly the kind of guys. They both can cover. They both can tackle. They both can chase a guy down. So I would, I would want to make sure that you're not blitzing too much against – even though the Ohio State offensive line is really good, I would trust this Ohio State defensive line to get four-man pressure. I would not blitz a ton. And I would leave on anything like longer than like probably maybe any third down, you know, okay. If Warner or Browning, one of them might be worried about the back coming out of the backfield and coverage or whatever, maybe covering a tight end. The other one to me is on Justin Fields, not letting that guy run for a first down. And I would not over blitz him and I would not over attack him. If he's running around, I just would sort of hover and make sure he doesn't go crazy. And I think they have good enough linebackers at athlete, or good enough athletes at linebacker to do that. So it'd be pretty interesting, I think, in the run game. Pass game. This is where it gets hard. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets hard. And there is one matchup in particular that would be very, very, very difficult for the defense. Steven, what do you think this pass game matchup would look like? Um, I think Garrett Wilson's going to have a field day because you have to make a decision here. Um, I think we, I've, I think I've brought up Sean Wade following a wide receiver before. He hasn't really done that this year. I think he'd have to follow Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, and whichever one he isn't following is the one that's going off. Because, I mean, that if you probably put him on Garrett just because he also has um, Sean Wade also has some like experience in the slot, so that way he can move around when Garrett moves back outside when they go twelve personnel for Jackson Smith and the Jigbo on the field. So he pro- probably followed his him around. And you just say to Seven Banks, listen, don't let Chris get behind you. Because if you keep him in front of you, you might be able to knock the ball out of his hands. And he might, fuck, you know, so you might get a turnover. But if he gets behind you, it's going to be a 40-yard touchdown every single time. So I, I think that's how you handle that. And it also – and then you just telling Marcus Williamson that when uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba comes on the field, dude, you're the upperclassman here. You can't get out – don't let a freshman outshine you. That, that's what that boils down to. Okay, but the normal alignment for them is – Olave and Jamison Williams outside and Olave in the slot. If you're putting yeah. Wade on Garrett Wilson, Wilson in the, the slot, slot, who are Wilson in the slot? Who are your two outside corners? You have Banks on at one outside yeah. spot. Cam Brown being hurt hurts this. I would you might have to try out one of these young underclassmen on Jamison Williams because he's not targeted a lot. So it's just, you know, keeping him honest at that point. Don't don't get beat deep. So maybe you do try a legend Cavazos or a Ryan Watts in that position in that situation just because you know that if Justin's throwing the ball 30 times, 20 of them are going to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and then the other 10 are being split up between three and four people. But I mean, don't you think Chris Olave is going to have a pretty big edge over whoever you line him up against on the outside if it's not Sean yeah. Wade? I mean, you're going to have that. Anyway. That's what I'm saying. You pick your poison with Sean Wade. Where do you want him? Do you want him on Garrett or do you want him on Chris Olave? So I would do – so I think you keep – I think you have Sean Wade follow Chris Olave all over the field. I think you have seven banks on the other outside receiver who's on the field. And I would help on Garrett Wilson on every snap that, that whether it's a linebacker in like a, your bracket coverage where you're sort of having Marcus Williamson plus safety help, Marcus Williamson plus linebacker help that I would try not to give Garrett Wilson a one-on-one look. 
and that I would, you can bring, whether that means you're putting, again, would, those, would this open the world up of where you're playing two safeties a little bit more, right? Maybe you're playing um, three corners, two safeties. You only have two linebackers on the field on certain situations so that you can have Proctor come down and help Williamson on Wilson. I think I would believe in Sean Wade enough to say, you have to follow Chris Olave anywhere. You are not going to have much help. You are not going to have much help because the help has to go to Wilson. We have to help on Garrett Wilson. And you, not that you play strict man the whole time, but I would just really say we're just going to try to, even if you play matchup, you play man coverage on the outside and then you're doing again, yeah, sort of you're splitting up the coverage in more of a zone look on Garrett Wilson in the middle of the field. And, and you're trying to cover him with Marcus Williamson and Josh Proctor or Marcus Williamson and Baron Browning or Josh Proctor and Baron Browning. And that's your solution for Wilson. I think, I think like that makes as much sense as anything. It's like, okay, well, if, how many teams have three great corners like Ohio State did last year? How, how many teams have three first-round picks of corner? Nobody. Just Ohio State last year, which is remarkable. At Ohio State, you know, with Denzel, Garyon Conley, and Marshawn Lattimore in the past. But I think if you have a corner you can believe in so that you can focus the help on one guy, that's, that's part of the way down the path towards trying to contain, not stop, but contain – Olave and Wilson. So as much as this past defense has had problems, I think they'd, they'd have better luck than many of the defenses we've seen, right, Nathan? I mean, I, we haven't seen anybody stop Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And we've seen how much they, you know, 90% of the pass game is those two guys. But at least Ohio State would have the beginnings of something to try, wouldn't they? Yeah, and I also think there are some matchups with their linebackers. Like if, if, if I like Baron Browning's chances of – uh, holding his own on one rep more than some of the other big 10 linebackers who might get matched up in a bad spot. Um, I will say this though, and we didn't get to this yesterday um, on, on the Thursday pod. We were talking a lot about, we were giving our top tens and we were talking about these PFF grades. Um, so I just want to give you like Sean Wade at 72.5, which is like a solid number for the year. Solid, not spectacular. Marcus Hooker, who much maligned Marcus Hooker, 59.4. What do you guys think Marcus Williamson's grade is? Sub 40. 48. 48.9. Like, by far bad. the worst of anybody who plays a lot on this defense. Like, by far. That's 10, that's 10 points below Marcus Hooker, who already doesn't have a good score. And again, we talked about the flaws and where this may, may not be, like, a perfect thing. But it just it, – it still seems like a potentially, like, festering situation – that is going to force Ohio State into either A, that choice, like what Steven's talking about. Do you have to pull Sean Wade down there and, and have him take away somebody else's star slot? Or is it does that just become when Josh Proctor saves the day eventually? Well, you can't cover him one-on-one. I mean, you can't play man with anybody. I mean, I just don't yeah. think they're going to pull Sean Wade down and do that because they have Olave. If you didn't have Olave, which is the choice for any team that has one great corner, you have to decide how you're going to do it. I think you keep Sean Wade outside, but you, that doesn't mean you can play one-on-one. I mean, they're just going to run crossing routes and, and, and have Garrett Wilson eviscerate the slot corner. So you've got to have some kind of thing where you're doing something on him that you're giving help and you're not, you're not putting one guy, even if it's Proctor, you're not putting one guy in position to chase that much but yeah that's that's the matchup right I think on both sides of the ball the most problematic 
matchup for either the offense or the defense is the defense trying to match up with Garrett Wilson in the slot, which, by the way, is like the most problematic matchup for any team playing Ohio State on either side of the field. How do you stop that guy who has those ball skills, that speed, those hands, that route running, that dynamic explosiveness in the slot? How do you deal with that? The other thing in the past game that I that would intrigue me that I would want to see is sort of what I said about Jonathan Cooper is Jonathan Cooper is playing really well. I would love to find out like just how well is Jonathan Cooper playing by having him pass rush against Thayer Munford and Nicholas Petit Frere all day. Two tackles who have given up nothing, nothing all year. I would love to see that. And I, my instinct would be I think Justin Fields would have time. We know they're going to have that push from the defensive tackles. My instinct is Justin Fields would be able to have enough time. I don't think he'd be running for his life against this defense, even though we think the defensive lines played pretty well. They don't have a Chase Young. If we had done this a year ago, it might have been like, man, I don't know if Justin's going to have a chance to be Justin because Chase Young's going to be in his lap all day. I don't think that's how it would go. But, man, I'd love – and then I'd love for Jonathan Cooper to be like, okay, you don't think I'm going to do it? Here's my – Here's my move on Thayer Munford that I got in for a sack. And you know it's legit because you know how good Thayer Munford is. I wish I'd pay to see that. I think Ryan – Zach Harrison against these two tackles. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Ryan Day might just go watch a bunch of Indiana film and then call a bunch of those plays. Because – and ideally thinking that this defensive line gets pressure, but when they face a good quarterback, the pressure doesn't matter. And Justin Fields is the epitome of a great quarterback. So he gets pressured a little bit, and you just tell Justin – have a little patience because Chris or Garrett's going to get open and you stay in there a little bit longer. You deal with the pressure and you just throw a deep ball because Marcus hookers back there as your single high safety. Talking about the offensive line. So that's, that's our imaginary scrimmage that we'll go spy on if we can, man, I'd love to see it. And again, they're not going to go full out. So you wouldn't really, 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 really know for sure, but man, it'd be fun from the eight one four. I just want to share this because I think there's a lot of people feeling this and I just wanted us to share this together. Is it terrible that I think I was way too high on Wyatt Davis, Harry Miller, and Josh Myers coming into the season? I thought the world of those three. However, I maybe wasn't high enough on Thayer Munford and Nicholas Petit Frere, caused, maybe caused by uncertainty. Like, isn't, is that not where every Ohio State fan is? Is that not where every Ohio State media member is? That I, I respond to this person on text to just say, hey, I agree with you, but – I think there were reasons, Nathan, that this was kind of what I felt was the common perception coming into the season about the offensive line, and I think it was a justifiable preseason perception. I think it absolutely was, and I think also, let's imagine if the situation reversed right now. Let's imagine if if White Davis and Josh Myers were the ones scoring in like the 80s on these PFF um, ratings and Harry Miller um, was holding his own a little bit better than he is. But then Petit Frere and Munford were both down in the 60s or whatever. Wouldn't the narrative be that these guys aren't living up to their potential? I think it's, I think it's this situation, if you're an Ohio State fan, is probably better because you know that maybe the performance hasn't necessarily been there from those two guys, Myers and Davis especially, um, at the level that you expected, but I think you still think it's attainable. And then you've got the two guys on the end who have exceeded expectations. And it actually, it almost raises the level for what this offensive line could be by the time you get to a playoff or a championship game or whatever. I also think we have to be careful. Uh, Evaluating interior offensive line is hard. They have not been bad. They have not been bad. 
we just expect them to, as we said before, just dominate every play. It's much easier to say, hey, look, look at those tackles. They're blocking defensive ends and the defensive ends aren't getting pressure. That's just easier for all of us to see. And so, and, and, you know, we haven't seen running backs just running through gaping holes inside, but I think part of that's on the running back along with the offensive line. So I want to be careful that they have not pancaked people on every snap Myers and Davis. That's true. But I also, I think it's that maybe they've been good when we thought they would be exceptional, but I don't, it's not that they've been not doing their job. I don't think at all. I I want to interject real quick too. I think one of the, individual players who maybe has been hurt the most by this herky-jerky last month is Harry Miller because you've they've missed three of the last five weeks so he hasn't been able to maybe get into a rhythm that you would think he'd be getting into here in the second half of his first season as a starter putting things in practice Um, and then in one of those weeks he has to switch up and go play center which he has a background in but and probably has been dabbling in but hasn't been playing full time and now all of a sudden that's kind of thrown on his shoulders I I have a little bit of sympathy for what he has gone through here for these past five weeks I think if he were sitting here right now number one that would be kind of fascinating because he's who he is but also I think it would be um I think he'd be the first one to say but that doesn't matter I'm still not playing well enough and I agree with that too but I, I do see how this circumstance has probably put him in a, a, a tougher spot than those other four usual offensive line starters and most, most players on this team. All right, let's get back to one more question and then we'll get to our picks. This is going to be a question that I think is a big part of the discussion next week. So I don't want us to go all the way down this road, but I want to touch on it from the three, three, Oh, are the Buckeyes win and in meaning the big 10 championship game against Northwestern, or do they need to win comfortably? So we have talked about the doomsday scenario. We have talked about all this stuff. I would just like to touch on this from the Ohio State perspective of you can't control what the other teams are going to do. And what the other teams are going to do is going to have a great influence on what happens to Ohio State, potentially. But Ohio State can control what it does. How important is it for Ohio State? Obviously, they have to win. But how much does it matter if it's – a seven-point win, a 21-point win, or a 49-point win. Steven, like, how should fans – it's more than a week away, but that's the next game on the schedule. How should fans be thinking about what the Buckeyes need to do in the Big Ten championship game beyond just winning the game? I just think they need to continue to do what they've been doing outside of that Indiana game and just make it look good uh, for the most part. That's what they did against Michigan State. Yeah, they need a blowout. They need – when you're already playing less games – you need to do everything in your power to make sure you keep in the, they, the committee already views you a certain way. You don't need to give them any reason to think otherwise. And, that, and since we all, it's a, they're a 20 point favorite in this game and they need to, they need to cover that comfortably. And it's just because this is how you're viewed and you need to continue to live up to that. And you can't leave any doubt for Florida to get for any other team to surpass you. Even if Florida does beat Alabama and Notre Dame beat, in Clemson beats Notre Dame. You need to give the committee every reason to believe that you should still be in that number four spot or even move up. We take the committee at their word that they watch every game or they watch at least every game involving the important teams. I think they'll be watching this Ohio State Northwestern game, especially close considering the circumstances. And so the final score is not as important as game control to me. I think it's if if they're up by 35 in the fourth quarter and only win by 21 or whatever, because things get screwed at the end. I don't know that that's like a catastrophe. I think it's more about, 
what Steven's saying. It's like reinforcing what they already believe about Ohio State and not giving them any reason for the decision to be tougher than it is. To me, the way I would characterize it is they just have to make it clear that they are one of the four best teams. That like that when the committee then is having a discussion, the only discussion about Ohio State is have they not played enough? That that's the thing. If you crack the door on, man, are are they really that good? Boy, they didn't run the ball very well. Northwestern really shut them down. And Justin Fields is great, but it felt like he was a one-man offense. And Man, I mean, I know Peyton Ramsey's a confident quarterback, but it's not like he's Trevor Lawrence. He kind of picked that defense apart. Like, if you crack the door on a football discussion, I don't think that is helpful. So you have to just be good enough that it's like, okay, well, they're great. Now we're only into the virus and the did your conference not play. Because if you crack the door on the football discussion, then you crack the door more on the other discussion. Because then anybody who, who thinks like Dabo thinks, hey, they didn't play enough, can also say, and are we even sure? Are, why do we think they're better yeah. than Florida, right? So I think however you define that, and, and I think you're right. It's not about a score. It's whatever. You just – you can't – because and now because now you go back to – and here's the thing that happens, and I think, again, we always talk about it happens more at the end when it's your final decision. You view games a certain way. But how, few, how future games work out then affect your view going backwards. So right. if you look at Indiana right now, the view of the Indiana game will change depending on how they look against Northwestern. If they don't look that good against Northwestern, people will now view the Indiana game as like, man, you know what? They were kind of lucky to win that. They blew that lead if, you know, they got that one sack on Penix at the end, but Indiana got the ball back with lots of time. Like, that was – or if they dominate Northwestern, they could say, you know what, they were so far ahead in that Indiana game. That's what mattered. Yeah, they let it go at the end, but they really did control the first two and a half quarters. And you can't ignore the fact that your perception of the past changes based on the present. And there's so few data points that I think the Northwestern game has a chance to change the entire view of everything that's happened before it. And it will either confirm, you know what? Yes, they're great. They're great. They're great. They're great. Or it could crack the door on man has this whole season for them. I've been a little bit of a mirage and you know what? Penn state's two and six and they didn't exactly dominate Penn state either. Right. That's what's, that's what I think is on the line here. So I'm not saying they need 59 to nothing. And every Ohio state fan listening to this podcast knows what we're talking about with that. I'm not saying they need that. That time, in 2014, they needed that. They don't need 59 nothing, But I think it's possible they need to avoid, like, 28-24, where they score oh, yeah. in the last three minutes to win. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and we only have another week to discuss all of this. But, but it becomes well, – some- Go ahead. Go ahead. There's, there's some interesting moving parts here, too. I mean, you've got a team that's getting extra time to prepare for this opponent that it knows who it's going to play, except the last time that happened, it resulted in the Indiana game, and you could say it either resulted in the 35-7 to lead or it resulted in what ended up happening in that game. And then you've also got this dynamic of some players who feel like something was deprived of them here these last few weeks, guys who've missed two of the last three games because of the, the virus, and they're either going to – I think they're going to be pretty – hyped up to come out and take out some frustration and take out some emotion. And that could go either way. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how some of those guys respond. That Could that be fuel for a 59 to nothing kind of result? Or is it something that uh, complicates things for a team that needs to go out and execute with real precision? 
and just based on, on the Big Ten rules as they exist, our understanding is that Ohio State probably should be pretty close to full strength, Nathan. Is that a fair assumption? My, so my read on it is, is two things. Number one, if you were testing positive on like that Wednesday before Thanksgiving, you'd be eligible to return by, I guess, like Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, right? I mean, depending on how you count, 21 days. But then on top of that, as we saw, there were players who didn't go to Michigan who were shown in photos at practice last week, which either means that that was maybe a contact tracing thing and they were eligible to come back from that or that they're in that seven-day acclimatization period that you have to go through after the 14-day quarantine if you actually did taste positive. So there's guys who would not be eligible. The whole point of the 21-day thing was that so that at the end of two weeks, they didn't just put you right back into a game with no practice, that you have to have that acclimatization period. So there's guys who would not technically be eligible to play a game until like next Wednesday or Thursday maybe, but who, who will have already started practicing with the team as normal. Is my, it, underst but my understanding. But there would probably uh, certainly would have been some guys who could not have played against Michigan 100%. who will who will be able to play in the Big Ten championship game just based possibly, on that 21 day. And possibly even some of those guys that were shown in photos for all we know. Right. Okay. All right. So that's where we stand on things. Let's get to this scintillating five-game Big Ten slate where, my God, we've got to pick three of the games. Who? I mean, God, please, please don't bet. Don't bet on this garbage. Seriously. Just go do something else. If you can't make yourself want to watch Wisconsin-Iowa just for the footballness of it, don't throw money at it in an attempt to add value to the worst slate of Big Ten football games since the formation of the conference. We'll preview that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, these five miserable games. And, and, and if they don't want, if the rest of the conference doesn't want to make, what doesn't want me to say that it's miserable, win. Just win more. Can you win? How can you have the math? 10 of the 14 teams don't have a winning record. This has been sort of a topic for, for madness that's been kicking around for the couple, a couple of weeks for me. Maybe I'll finally get to it. But, like, people have talked all along. Every time there's some kind of new development, oh, the Big Ten screwed Ohio State with the eight games in eight weeks. And the Big Ten screwed Ohio State with its rules about this and that. And I'm like, the way the Big Ten screwed Ohio State was by sucking. That's the <laughs> thing that is – that's the thing that's holding yeah. – Big Ten back. That's the thing that's really costing Ohio State right now. If Ohio State had a road win against a Penn State team that people respected, that alone, I think, would really eliminate a lot of the conversation that's going on right here. But, but the reason why Ohio State doesn't have a lot of respect and has fragile respect from the, the college football playoff committee is because this schedule is garbage. The Big Ten is not good. The Big Ten is sub-ACC this year, as we predicted it might be. This slate is arguably like sub-American Athletic Conference. Honestly, that's how bad – I mean, uh, for real. For real. Tell me it's who – football. Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State, Rutgers, Maryland, Minnesota, Nebraska, Illinois, Northwestern. There's the 10 Big Ten teams playing football this weekend. Seriously, who in there is relevant? Well, and one of those teams is going to the championship game. So I don't – do we have to? I don't even want to do it. I say this a lot in my house. They'll be like, um, something will be happening on TV. We'll be watching like a movie, and I'll say, I don't want to fight in World War One. And it's like I like to say things that like things are I'm, I'm never going to have to do. But I'm acknowledging the fact that man, people had to do that, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk about this slate of Big Ten games, but I guess we have to. God, it's miserable. It's disgusting. 
there's nothing good on this. And by the way, I know people love rivalries and stuff. Okay, let's talk about rivalries in the Big Ten, by the way. Rivalries. Okay, Ohio State-Michigan, great rivalry, not being played. Indiana-Purdue, legitimately great rivalry, right, Nathan? I also covered that. I worked in Indiana for two and a half years. I won an award in 1996, right, in an old oaken bucket game story. And like the, hey, nobody else submitted a game story for the Hoosier Press Awards. It's a great, it's a great game. It's in-state rivals. It's always the last weekend. They actually don't like each other. It goes back and forth. I mean, it really is kind of a back and forth rivalry of about half the time, you know, who is the better team. The old Oaken Bucket is legit, Nathan, is it not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a traveling trophy. By the way, I graduated high school in 1996, if that um... I don't know how that makes you feel. Um, but, yeah, there's, oh, like, a traveling trophy. That, how does they, that make you feel? <laughs> they, uh, they got a traveling trophy where they add a P or an I to the chain around the bucket or whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's and, – and this year it, it had <clears> – <throat> excuse me. This year it had a little bit of extra to it, I thought, because Indiana is very rarely in a position to go out and just absolutely put it to Purdue, even when it's pretty good because those are still usually two like kind of very average teams. And in Purdue is really kind of in a tailspin right now. It's got to figure some things out. There may be no team in the big 10 that's looking more forward to the end of the regular season right now. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I think Michigan probably is too, but, but few teams in the big 10 are looking forward to the end of this season than Purdue, the way things have gone. And Indiana had a chance to kind of go out and make its statement. It, you know, we've talked a lot about how Ohio state not being able to play this week hurts it, but Indiana needs some, needs to kind of goose its um, resume for maybe getting a new year six or whatever. And it's getting deprived of that this week. So um, yeah, it, no, it, it's, it's a big rivalry in that state. And as is, as is Illinois Northwestern to a lesser degree, to a lesser degree, to Very a lesser, lesser, degree. lesser, lesser degree. It's almost like a bigger deal, like in Chicago than it is anywhere outside of the state. Cause I don't growing up, having grown up in central Illinois, it's another one where I have some personal um, affiliation to, nobody cares about Northwestern. Like the big, the big Illinois rivalries are like Indiana and Iowa and Michigan when they were good. Like it was a big deal to try to go beat Michigan. Nobody cares about Northwestern. Well, and by, and now the last 20 years, Northwestern has been a better program. So like, well, certainly. Has, yeah. yeah. But it's not like personal for Illinois fans. Right. No. And I, and having gone to Northwestern, it wasn't like you circled, Hey, it's the sweet Sioux, the whatever. What do they call it? They don't even call it that now anymore. I so, don't know, but when but you that, were going to Northwestern, nobody circled any game on the football calendar, nor, well, nor did you even have one on you. Well, that's your the possession. whole thing. I mean, like, Northwestern was so bad. You win your rivalry game. You're trying to win a game. Right. And that's where Illinois is now. Northwestern now wins 10 games a year, and Illinois is like, God, I hope he can have a winning record. So, like, I don't – you, know. you guys are trying to beat like New Trier and Evanston High School or whatever. Not on you a guys. Good day. Not don't you guys. But I just I just went to school there. I wasn't part of the football. What, okay. Well, what, what sport is Northwest like historically good at? Because football is pretty spanking new here. So like chess, uh, fencing, fencing maybe okay. lacrosse. They've been really field good hockey? in lacrosse. I think field um, hockey maybe. Field like those kinds of things. I think they were actually pretty good in softball a few years ago. Yeah, I think um, they were good in softball. Okay. So things like that. I think they'll probably, probably occasionally have a really nerdy cross-country runner that does well or something. I will say I got offended this week. Somebody like – something I was saying, as I continue to argue with people, somebody called me like – said I went to Northwestern. I was a Northwestern slap. That offends me. Somebody not, did say <laughs> I don't care. I mean, have I ever cared about the, – the, no. my least favorite thing is sports writers talking about their alma mater. Like anybody gives two craps of what, where a sports writer went to college. I don't care about 
I, I didn't play for the football team. I care about the school. That's where I went to college. I, I don't care if the football team wins or loses. So I'm a professional journalist. So don't call me that because it's not, and you know it to be false. You know it to be false. I do not get on here. By the way, I didn't pick Northwestern to win the West because I went to Northwestern. I picked Northwestern to win the West because I'm a great analyzer of college football and smarter than anybody else who voted in our poll. That's all. No homer there. They stink most of the time. Illinois-Northwestern is the best rivalry this weekend, is it not? Which So Wisconsin's playing Iowa. I can't remember which game, and I'm not trying to downgrade these, which rivalry in the West is for the axe, which one is for the pig, and which one is for the woodchuck. I can't keep it. And which one is for the gallon jug of milk? I can't keep them straight. Do you guys know which – is Wisconsin, Iowa, is that one of those? Is Minis- isn't Minnesota the axe? I'm yeah, Minnesota, Wisconsin's the axe. Okay, cool. The Let's little brown I'm jug, I'm isn't that? Isn't Michigan involved in that? Isn't that Michigan, Minnesota? You can definitely look this up. Professional sports writers. <laughs> well, grew up in the cradle of the Big Ten. Yeah. So Wisconsin, Iowa, it's a good game. I don't know, except Wisconsin turns out to be a fraud. Graham Mertz, not it. Not it now, at least. We, I mean, my gosh. Everybody went nuts for one game from Graham Mertz, and it's like, okay, actually, not that good. And Iowa, whatever, they're 5-2, and two, but they blew the games early that would have given them the chance to have a more meaningful season. So 5-2 and two is very good. 5-2 and two is very good for Iowa, but if Wisconsin, Iowa is your best game, I don't know. Michigan State, Penn State, not a rivalry. Fake. It's not a rivalry. Whatever they called the – Hey, the United States gave free land to our universities trophy. Fake. Not a real rivalry. Rutgers-Maryland. Fake. Not a rivalry. It's the we shouldn't be in the conference rivalry. I don't know what you call Do they have a name for it? I get it. You're on the East Coast. It's fake. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Minnesota-Nebraska. Is that a thing? I don't know. I mean, I get they're both in the Midwest, but Nebraska's best rivalry is against Oklahoma. And they don't play that anymore. So however long this has been going on, it's like going on for 10 years. I don't care about it. No offense to Minnesota and Nebraska. They're both kind of out there on the prairie, I guess. I get it, and that's fine. They could be out there on the prairie. It doesn't mean I care about their football game. And then Illinois-Northwestern, rivalry, nobody cares. That's rivalry weekend. And by the way, again, nobody wanted to do anything to save Ohio State-Michigan because we go, oh, oh, let's make sure we protect what? Protect Minnesota-Nebraska. Oh, don't move anything. People were planning for Michigan State, Penn State. Who cares? Congratulations on your keeping without disrupt. Congratulations on not disrupting your meaningless schedule to all involved. I'm glad everybody A-OK, full steam ahead to the worst slate of Big Ten football teams in the history of the conference. But God forbid, oh, let's not do anything to do. Oh, it, you might have to change your practice schedule. Really, this blows. Let's make our picks. So, hold on. Be, the, the conclusion I just came to after hearing all these different rivalries and the well, quote-unquote rivalries in the Big Ten is that not only is the Ohio State-Michigan game the most watched one because it's awesome to watch and it's the most historical, but also – don't really have a choice of watching any of these other rivalries, it seems like. It's like, watch this or watch. Yeah. I mean, oh. I'm, not, I'm just, I'm not saying, I'm not holding it against these teams. It's not their fault, but I'm holding it against, like, at trying to act like there is anything of value to protect here. You could have moved stuff, honestly. You could have moved stuff. 
there is no, and I, but I have respect for the old oaken bucket. I would have, that's that, I, I agree with like not messing with that. If you, that would have had value. None of this has value. Yeah, I mean that that one goes back, I think, also to 1918 or 19 somewhere around in there. Like it's not it's not fake. Like they they care about that. So I don't know. So Wisconsin and Iowa are playing for uh, what do they play for? They're play. I don't know the do the the, the butter churner. See now we're just being now we're just being <laughs> offensive to people from the Midwest, and I don't mean Which, to do that. My all my in laws are from Iowa. I just don't remember. Can we look it up? Is there a thing? It's a, there a, it's a corn cob made of butter. See, now you're just being offensive. You're from central Illinois. <laughs> That's not being, I'm, I'm, it's an homage to both it's of those a, states' great agricultural histories. You did not mean that as, the, the way you send corn cob was I'm not from a, an, I'm from, I'm from a bean field in Illinois. Like, I can't talk down to any of these people. I am, I'm from a town of 200 people where the only commerce in town was the pot machine at the gas station. Like, I can't, it's, I'm, I'm, that was from, a, that was semi-respectful. <laughs> no one's looking it up. I'm looking it up now. I'm looking. I up. looked up the jug. The jug is Minnesota is Michigan in Michigan. Yeah, Florida I got just, that right. Mm-hmm. Illinois yeah. and Purdue play for some kind of cannon. Okay, here's a. It's a pig. This is the pig. It's the old oaken pig. No. <laughs> is it the buttered up pig? Seriously, now I mean, Kevin. I, no, everyone's gonna be mad at this. What's it called? The Heartland Trophy. They've played. Since 1894, they've had 93 meetings total. Wisconsin leads the all-time series, 48-43 to two. And they play for the Heartland Trophy that looks like it's in the shape of a pig. It's it's a pig. It's a pig? It's It's called the Heartland Trophy? If I've disparaged the Heartland Trophy, which I literally have never heard of until right now, I apologize. It was not my intention. It's either a pig or a bull. And either way, I just – how do you even come up with some of these, some of these concepts of trophies? Also, My, what do you do when you have a traveling trophy and then there's a tie? Do you then like find an equidistant place between the two campuses and it yeah. just has to be like suspended there in midair no. for 365 days? It goes to Chicago and just sits in the Big Ten office until the next time you play. That's where we got the phrase, cut the pig in half when you're trying to solve a dispute. They just used to cut the trophy in half and they'd glue it back together the next year. All right, let's go through these worthless games that nobody cares about here on Buckeye Talk. Thanks for listening to our very popular podcast. Wisconsin at Iowa. It started, this line has moved five points. It started off at Iowa yep. minus three. It is now Wisconsin minus two. Iowa's five and two. Wisconsin fraudulent is two and two. And I always yell at people for getting sucked in by Wisconsin. I got sucked in by Wisconsin this year. So I would like to admonish myself for getting sucked in by the fraudulent Wisconsin Badgers. Nathan, are you taking this game? I'm staying away. Um, Though I don't necessarily think it's as crazy that the line has moved as other people do. There's people out there who are like incredulous that Wisconsin might be favored in this game. And I'm not sure that I agree because again, their, their two losses are to Northwestern and Indiana. So two pretty strong teams. And Iowa still hasn't, I mean, who, who's Iowa's, who's Iowa beaten at this point? Well, I mean, they have, Iowa hasn't played Ohio State or Indiana, so they couldn't have beaten anybody because nobody right. mm-hmm. else in the conference is worth beating. Right. So anyway. And neither, neither is Wisconsin. I mean, they're, 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 their wins are Michigan and Illinois, but, but still. Steven, are you taking this? No, I'm staying away from Wisconsin for the rest of the season because I am in a bit of a spiral with my record here, and Wisconsin has been involved in some of that. So I'm staying away from them. My wife, is from, who's from Iowa, just came through and gave me the evil eye. So thanks to everybody. Thanks. To everybody. <laughs> no, I'm going to be in trouble. 
I get it. She's probably going to tell my father-in-law, my brother-in-law are huge Iowa fans. And I didn't know the name of their pig trophy. I'm a fat, I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk. I don't mean to be a jerk. No, I do. You should send them some of that corn you're talking about. No, they sent. Well, no, no, no. They make fun of my corn. Oh, really? they, they eat actual corn. They sent, uh, they, they sent the competing corn. I ate my weird Pennsylvania corn at Thanksgiving. My mother-in-law sent actual Iowa corn to compete with the weird corn. And my wife and two daughters ate the real corn and laughed at me. Um, by the way, Stephen now 12 and eight overall. I'm 11 and nine. Nathan is 10, nine and one. Last week, we were awful. We all won on Ohio State, Michigan State. We all gave the 24 with that. Steven and I lost our other two games. Steven and I both picked Wisconsin minus 14 over Indiana. Awful pick. Uh, uh, Steven also lost on Purdue minus two against Nebraska. Nathan also lost on that. Awful pick. I lost on Rutgers plus 11 over Penn State. Awful pick. And the only game that we won last week that any of us won that wasn't the Ohio State game was Nathan had Iowa minus 13 and a half over Illinois and Iowa won by 14. So congratulations to our picks. So Nathan did make up ground last week. And again, Stephen has been in free fall. 10 and two start, two and six now. since. Thanks, then. Wisconsin. Thank you, Wisconsin. So 12 and eight, 11 and nine, 10, nine and one, which means it's on the line here. You know, Nathan's back in it after uh, his big two and one week last week. Nobody's touched. I'm not touching this one either. Wisconsin or Iowa. Penn State at Michigan State started off Penn State minus 13. Now it's Penn State minus 15. Steven, you taking this? No, that, that line's too large for me. Um, it, it, Penn State's just, I don't know what to think of them. And Michigan State has randomly beaten Northwestern and some other teams while also getting their butts whipped in other games. I'm staying away from that. I can't. I think that line is too large. That's why I'm taking the Spartans because I feel like this is exactly the kind of game where they seem to have shown up this year, right? This tier of team, this like Northwestern, Michigan-y, maybe they shouldn't even be considered in the same tier. But like, you know, this just seems like the kind of game where it doesn't get out of hand. The Michigan State finds some way. And I will say also we saw a little bit of a spark for Michigan State, I thought, when they switched quarterbacks last week. So if they, if they go with that this week, maybe that gives them a little bit of a spark in this game too. It's hard, but like Penn State's also come back to life a little bit. After the 0-5 start, mm-hmm. they beat Michigan 27-17. They beat Rutgers last week 23-7. They're not like blowing anybody off the field, but they think they kind of dominated the line of scrimmage last week. And it's like, okay, they just have better players than Rutgers and they won. And I think they just have better players than Michigan State. So this game, this game makes me nervous. I don't disagree with what you're saying, Nathan. It makes me nervous. I don't want to be on either side of this. I also didn't take this. There's only three games left, so it means we got a lot of picks coming. Rutgers at Maryland started off at Maryland minus nine. It's now at Maryland minus seven. Nathan, are you taking this one? I'm taking all underdogs this week. I'm going to take the Scarlet Knights here. I think these are two teams that I do like Maryland's chances. If I'm wrong, it probably means Maryland just put some stank on it and won by a lot this week. But I actually think these are two like fairly evenly matched teams up and down based on results, based on, um, personnel other than maybe quarterback but Rutgers has found a way to, to like grind it I, I like kind of what they've done this year and I think they they see an opportunity here to end on a positive note and that may not mean that they win but I think they compete within a touchdown okay this is Maryland's last month this is insane yep so Maryland was two and one they had beaten Penn State they're flying high since then Ohio State game canceled, Michigan State game canceled, lose at Indiana 27-11 in a game where they were competitive, like for a long time, and then canceled again. So they're, 
their last four weeks, they're zero and one, and their one loss is to like the other decent team in the league. So like, I think it's still possible that like Maryland is good, and we've just mm-hmm. forgotten that because. They haven't had the chance to play a crappy opponent lately. Steven, are you taking this? I did. I took Maryland in this game. Obviously, they have the better quarterback. And I think this is the ultimate test of rust versus rest. I think even more than, than Ohio State, because Ohio State was only off a week. This is a team who has spent this entire season just having canceled games. And I think that line is perfect in a place where, you know, they maybe cover it in maybe the last six minutes of the game where – Talia Tungabailoa throws a touchdown pass to somebody or he runs one in. I I just think that's a perfect line for Maryland to cover. I like that this is moved from nine to seven, that it's Mm -hmm. it's, if they win by a touchdown, you get a push. You don't need them to win by more than one score. I'm taking Maryland as well. I think it's possible that like Maryland is good. And right when they started to prove it, they stopped playing football. So um, I'm taking Maryland there. All right. Next one is, Minnesota at Nebraska. Minnesota has not played in two weeks. I don't know how many players they still might be missing. Nebraska started off at minus 10. It's now minus 10 and a half. And I will tell you, Nebraska is two and four, and their two wins are by seven points over Penn State and by 10 points over Purdue last week. I cannot give 10 and a half points with Nebraska against anybody. So I'm taking Minnesota. I don't, they might be missing 50 players, but I think they can stay within 10 and a half of Nebraska. So I'll take Minnesota. Steven, how about you? You taking this game? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I took Minnesota as well. I just have no faith in Nebraska to be able to beat anybody by t- double digits or even two scores for that matter. So it, it doesn't matter who's playing for Minnesota. I think Nebraska is going to do enough to keep Minnesota in the game. Nathan, are you taking this? I think I'm switching my pick to, from what I was originally going to take. I think I am going to take Nebraska. I was thinking about I was I was lined up to take the gopher side of this and I think I've talked myself into Nebraska is playing. You didn't better talk here. yourself you didn't talk yourself into squat. You listened to what Steven and I said and said, I'm going against those guys. We we talked you into flipping your pick against us. That's all that happened here. Regardless, I'm taking Nebraska minus ten and a half. Just admit it. Just admit it. You did not just do nothing. some miraculous Nebraska research in the last 14 seconds. You just listened to us. I, I was torn on which way I was going to go with that, and I decided that um, the, Nebraska has been playing better of late. But if you're this going, is the game that loses me, this competition. I'm going to be very upset. But I'm Nathan's going really for the win now. Nathan's going for the win because he's behind us. Thing. Yeah. So he's trying to get head-to-head matchups to win. Don't smirk at us, you gambler. I know you play online poker three times a week. You're just playing the odds here, Baird. It's very frustrating. Once, once a week. Smirky. I'm screaming he's... on my balcony. No one should scream about this, honestly. Can we just uh, can we get do-overs for all these games? Maybe I'll just wipe the slate clean. I'll just It doesn't matter. The last game is Illinois at Northwestern. Started off at Northwestern minus 15. It's down to Northwestern minus 14. Baird has used up all his picks. Nathan, did you even think about this one, or did you just want to stay away? Didn't, didn't really like it that much. Um, uh, I think Northwestern's better than Illinois, but I also don't know that I picked Northwestern to beat anybody by 14. So, Stephen, you and I have to pick this one because it's mm-hmm. the last game left, and we have a pick left. Which way are you going, Stephen? I, I, I picked Northwestern over uh, – Illinois is just not good, and Northwestern had some, had, had some moments where I think they kind of close up. They need some type of, you know, momentum heading into a Big Ten championship game against Ohio State, and a double-digit win does that for them. A 14-point win does that for them. And so I think that motivation of 
we need to use this game to get ourselves motivated for what monster we have to face when we go to Indianapolis in seven days kind of help sway this a little bit. So that's why I picked Northwestern minus 14. I've been worried about Northwestern as big favorites before, but I just think it does make a lot of sense with them having last week off because of COVID two touchdowns. I mean, Illinois is not very good and that just Northwestern, they're not going to win 42 to 10, but I think they could really just win like 28 to 10 or, you know, 21 to just like a 21 to three or just like a really solid, really good defensive effort, score enough points. So I actually kind of like this one. I did not feel at all worried about giving up the 14 with Northwestern. So Steven and I have the exact same picks. So Steven's ahead of me and I can't gain on him this week. Steven and I all picked Maryland, Minnesota, Northwestern. Nathan's in third place, but he's going head to head in two games. He has Rutgers instead of Maryland. He has Nebraska instead of Minnesota. And then he also has Michigan state against Penn state. So Nathan's either going to come out of this week even more in third, or he's going to come out of this week gaining on us. And those are our picks. And I'm curious, I think next week should be fun. We'll have all next week to talk about it, but I've been, uh, since they came up with this idea, I've been looking forward to this seven game championship weekend of that. It's not just the championship game, but that everybody's going to play. And Nathan, we still do not have definitive answers on any of this stuff including where the games are going to be played. I think there was a report somewhere that other than the championship game, they will be on campus sites. But Nathan, we also aren't 100% sure that they won't try to use this weekend to make up some of the in-division games that were lost. And again, I think the one that people keep pointing to is Wisconsin-Minnesota. That's a rivalry that's probably better than any rivalry being contested this weekend. I mean, honestly, Minnesota-Wisconsin is more valuable than that. If they can just say, you know what, you know, nobody cares about who them playing the fourth-place game or the sixth-place game. Let Minnesota and Wisconsin play each other. Let's try to figure out, okay, who are the games that Maryland missed? Can we get them a game and do some of that? I think that might make sense because then you can play Northwestern Ohio State. You can play Indiana-Iowa as a second-place game. They haven't played each other this year, right? They haven't played each other. Correct. Correct. That'd be a good solid game. That's a good solid number two. And then everything else, three, four, five, six, seven, forget the three, four, five, six, seven. Just make no. the best, most meaningful games you could make. That's what I would do. I'll be curious, Steven, you're nodding. Do you think that's the best route? I like that route for this year. And I actually like it going forward, honestly, because it creates a, you know, a kind of a first place, second place, third place type of field of championship weekend where maybe, you know, you play the first and second place. You play the championship game on a Saturday night and you play, you know, third the, basically the third place game, which would be the bronze medal in the Olympics on a Friday night. And then everybody else just uh, – everybody else just gets like – every other year you can do the three, th- three versus four versus five and you can do all that. But in a year like this, I do like you make up a game that you lost while the top four teams in the conference duke it out to be number one, two, three, and four. I also think, I mean, most of the time you're not going to have to deal with this, but like there are some teams, we know like with Ohio State, Ohio State ended up, well, they, now they're missing the home game against Michigan. You might be able to make a couple people whole, not that you're going to have fans in the stands, but that, hey, you missed a home game. This team missed a road game. Let's match mm-hmm. you up. It's their turn to go on the road. You should get your home game back. And that that's more valuable than, well, did you actually finish fourth or did you actually yeah. finish sixth? We're just trying to make everybody whole a little bit. Nathan, how do you think they should work this out? I think Indiana-Iowa is probably a game that happens regardless because even if Wisconsin beats Iowa and finishes second in the West, Indiana and Wisconsin have already played. I I think they want to avoid that. 
and already and I think Indiana definitely wants to avoid that because beating Wisconsin last week when Wisconsin was ranked on the road did not help their college football playoff chances and Iowa keeps climbing up so especially if Iowa beats Wisconsin that kind of takes care of itself and I think that'll be a good matchup but I, I do think they're going to be flexible I don't think they re- this year because of just the, the circumstances that are at play, I don't think they're going to care that much about the crossover. It will be interesting to see if this is something that they want to stick with in the future that, and yeah. just make it that weekend. I think that is interesting. I think it also it, – it, it always also gives your chance – it's kind of like the RPI thing in basketball almost, I think. Like you can enhance how good your league looks at the end of the year by giving mm-hmm. other good teams at the top more good wins – potentially helping yourself from bowls and in the playoff and and other conversations. It's interesting. I think they absolutely could just plan this into the weekend that this becomes your third crossover game and that you add another buy during the regular season to just take a little wear and tear off the brains and bodies of the amateur athletes. But that also is actually taking a game away from your best teams. So now your best teams are playing 12 instead of 13 and it's a data point you're removing now listen what you're removing you're not removing the championship game you're removing the data point of the third crossover game during the year against random opponent x that might be a good team game might be a bad game but that's what you would lose you would lose one game right you lose because right now this championship game is an extra and it stands alone if it becomes part of a weekend that's in the schedule and you relax elsewhere because they're not going to go to 13 regular season games for everybody. That's not where they're going to go. Cause that would be insane. That's the last thing that needs to be added here. But well, that's I think essentially you what could you do, do, do if, That's essentially what you do do. If you make this a mandatory crossover week though. Right. I mean, you make, no, you, but that's, make you can't do it. You, you, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You can't do that. You can't make it a 13th regular season week. You have to make it that you're, you're now, because what happens now is everybody gets a buy on the last weekend, except the championship game. That's what it really is like. So you just add that buy into the middle of the year and you plan this as you're going to play. You just won't know who until later. I think that is worth it. And that Ohio state. All right. You just play two crossover instead of three. And then you have this fun. You have this fun extra thing because they used to play two crossovers until whatever, three years ago. That that's fine, but you're losing a data point for the championships teams and that's all. But I think, but again, you're losing Ohio state won't play Illinois in October. That's the data point you're leaving. So I think it's worth it, but I'll be curious to see what they do. I think it's also, it depends. You know, the reason they did this this year was one reason they did it this year was to get an extra group of games to get them to the minimums they needed for some TV payouts. And in the future, you know, the, the, the TV contract they have is based on 12 regular season games. And then you sell the big 10 championship game separately, I believe. And then now, so then you would have to then probably go get another TV partner and sell them these other six games, I guess. I don't think the Big Ten's going to do it unless they're getting something out of it. It's, they're not just going to put those games on Big Ten Network, I don't think. No, but you would just, it would just be part of the schedule. You would just think of it as part of the regular season, I think, is that you're just moving the end of the regular season back to include mm-hmm. championship weekend. Because you're losing, again, you only, you're losing one game in the whole scheme of things, the number of games that Big Ten teams will play before bowl season, it's one fewer. That's all. I'm not sure so, then that I believe that that's still better for the league then. I think that, that maybe just having 12 games in a league championship game is is better when you start talking about things like the college football playoff. Yeah, I know. That's, I... Doug has a crazy idea. Nathan says that's not logical. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess, I, guess I, don't, I guess I don't see the big – travesty of just making it 12 games and then a crossover week for everybody now I guess the 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 problem is that I I think we've already seen 
where you have like middling bowl teams or sometimes even good bowl teams where players just start ditching. So if you're on a, a three and nine team and your team's going to have to go play another game, you ain't playing that game. So you're already taking a bad game and making it terrible when like five players on each side of the ball just say, see ya. That is a much bigger thing though than what I'm, what I'm saying. If you are all of a sudden saying the Big Ten plays, everybody plays 13 games, that is a huge move. That is a huge move for the unpaid amateurs. Right? I mean, that's the number of games these teams play is a huge deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge – that's a that's, much bigger move. That's a much bigger consideration than would you lose, like, one game in the TV or whatever. You know, like, it's I, – I don't know. I, I wish they would keep – probably just like with this, when Nathan was right, we had all these great ideas to try to make people slightly uncomfortable for five minutes to change the status quo. And Nathan said, no, why would they do that? And they didn't. And Nathan was right. So this great idea for a one-time thing, that is absolutely what they should do going forward. It might make someone half, half uncomfortable for 10 seconds. And it might require a conversation with a television partner to figure it out. And it's slightly more complicated than setting your schedules five, eight, 10, 19 years ahead of time. So they won't do it, even though it's a thousand percent better. No Look, doubt about it. It's better. Have you ever seen me and Kevin Warren in the, in the same room at the same time? This is true. This is true. I, like maybe I'm the one. Listen, pulling hey, the so strings here in the about? worst puppet show of all time. Hey, so what, yeah. Maybe you were talking to Nathan. <laughs> real talk, real talk right now. Could I be a conference commissioner? And make people do this crazy stuff I want to do. Come on, can no. I do it? No. Because everybody would hate me. I just I think the ideas are are are, are good, a great intent, but there's not always logistics behind it. And I think when you're done, when you're not necessarily in the position, you you're allowed to not think about the logistics, and so you can just have the greatest idea in the world. I'm get, I would be one of those get it done guys. I'd be like. Here, this. Now you, now you figure it out. You'd be I'm like, not. Bill, Bill Burr has a great bit about Steve Jobs where like he didn't actually do anything. He would just like think up like, take all the songs in the world and put them on this tiny little thing. Go do it. And that yeah. was like his contribution to the world. He didn't actually yeah. have to sit down and figure out how to do it. So you'd be kind of like the Steve Jobs of college football. Yeah, people write a book about me. Uh, all right. I think, well, we'll see. We could talk about this more next week. We can talk about this more next week. Um, good talk. That was better. That was a better podcast than this slate of games deserves since this is presumably a, a picks and preview pod. All right. So then next week we'll be, pre- we'll be previewing the big 10 championship game. And we also will be doing signing day. It's signing yeah. day next Wednesday. And before we get out of here, people ask, but listen, by the time, well, we're putting this up Friday afternoon. So some people will hear it. Steven, what's the update with the recruit and is it going to happen? I'm going to lean. Yes. I think I've, I've no, actually. Wait, before you just start, this is where you give the ground explainer because I just said the recruit and is it going to happen? Nobody knows what we're talking about. Yeah, I was going get, okay. get into that. I would lean yes that Emeka Abuke does join this class as the 21st edition and one of the last targets that they're actually going after. And I, I actually texted this on a conversation with one of our texters. You should sign up. I do this a lot, actually. I think he's been in love with Ohio State for a little while now, and that's part of the reason why some of those crystal balls haven't changed even after he went to Oklahoma. I think what it was is you find a girl that you really like, but you're not all the way sure you want to commit yet, 
And so you go on a couple of dates with some other girls first, just to make sure and see, hey, I really love this other girl, but I want to see if any of these other girls can show me a reason to not love her so much. And I think he went to Oklahoma. He saw some nice things. He threw with Caleb Williams. But at the end of the day, he walked away, still fought, still in love with Ohio State the same way that he was before he went on the Oklahoma trip. And so I do, I do think it's going to be Ohio State tonight. Some of the recruits are already com- tweeting about it and, and quoting tweets saying that he's – making his decisions tonight, which is usually an indication that they know something is up. They probably wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't happening. So, yeah, I would lean towards Emeka Buka is the second straight number one wide receiver to join the class. And now, if that happens, Ohio State will literally be a updated composite ranking away from having the number one wide receiver in the country in its recruiting class in three straight years because Caleb, Caleb Burton fell after getting injured this year to number two. And this would be 10 projected receivers for the 2022 roster. If you include Cameron Babb, you don't include Garrett Wilson. And all of them would be ranked no lower than 16 in the country at their position. So I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't talked to anybody about this. I just wonder if, so the last number one receiver they got, it's a crazy year, given it's a crazy year, is doing nothing as a freshman. And they just got another. They just got Caleb Burton. So there's more. Competition coming. And one of the reasons like the Julian Fleming isn't doing that much is because they got, I, I just wonder, I just wonder if this could set up for everybody's kind of surprised that the guy they thought was going to come to Ohio state winds up not coming to Ohio state because Oklahoma or somebody makes a late push about playing time that has an impact. I don't know. I don't know. I think if I'm Ohio State, the way I sell that is like, why do you care what Julian Fleming does as a freshman if it means you can still do what Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are doing in their second and third years? That's why people come to college. These guys want to play. They want to eh, play. We'll I, see. I, I, I do think part of the yes, it's a pandemic, all that stuff, but also the tight end room is pretty good, and so those guys are playing instead of wide receivers. And next year, especially depending on what Jeremy Rucker does, there's not going to be any tight ends that I don't think they're going to feel comfortable putting on the field. And so that does open up more opportunities for to play a lot more wide receivers because that's where your strength is going to be next year. And we've been talking about, I mean, they, they play to their strengths. This year the strength is in the tight end room and then Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. The strength next year might be Garrett Wilson as the star, but then also you sprinkle in three, four other receivers. It, it, you might have a six, five-man rotation where Garrett Wilson doesn't come off the field and everybody rotates around him. Yeah, very possible. I mean, you guys know better than I do. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, I mean, if they don't, I mean, to me, that's a winning pitch for Oklahoma. That's what I, I'm mm-hmm. sure that's what, what Oklahoma's pitch is. If Ohio State wins, despite that pitch, I mean, man, they just are rolling. I mean, if I, and we've been giving them a lot of credit, and they deserve a lot of credit. They're recruiting at receiver better than any team in the country. So it's just amazing to think about. So um, that's what time's that announcement Friday night, Stephen? Um, 8 p.m. Eastern time. 8 p.m. Eastern time, Friday night. So we'll have coverage on the site at cleveland.com as soon as it happens. And then, of course, just a bunch of recruiting stuff on the text at cleveland.com slash OSU, building up to the early signing period next Wednesday. Um, Thanks for you guys for listening to this Buckeye Talk. Thanks for everybody who's part of the texts. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.